Well, Redeemer family, you know, for me to say it's an honor to be here with you, that, that would really be an, an understatement. Um, yes, it is an amazing joy to uh, get to reconnect with Dave and Gloria again and see their kids, but this is one of the joys of my life to sit and see your faces right now, at least half your faces uh, right now, just to be here with you. I have prayed for this church for 12 years. I have... As Dave mentioned, I have tried to come here six different times. Finally, the Lord has me here. I feel like Paul, when he wrote to the Thessalonians and said, I desire to see your face. I have hoped to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so. And so today is literally a dream come true. You know, Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. In many ways, today is a tree of life for me, to have a hope fulfilled here with you and your presence here and worship together. But the truth is, is hope can be a funny thing. Hope can be a scary thing. Uh, One of the things that I've learned in my walk with Jesus, one of the things I know every single one of us have experienced, especially in these last few years uh, is that when we put our hope in physical circumstances, at any moment that hope can be taken away like that, any moment. Uh, These past few years have been marked by hopelessness for many people simply because of how uncertain and how constantly changing and disappointing the physical circumstances around us have been. Uh, Through COVID and many other factors, we have seen unprecedented hopelessness, unprecedented despair and loneliness, anxiety and fear. I've walked with people who are encountering incredible isolation, who have experienced the loss of a loved one, who have experienced job losses, displacement of homes, having to move from place to place, economic hardships, deep pain and division over racial and political polarization. I've walked with more people in these years who feel like they are literally at the end of their rope, that they have no hope at all just because they have experienced so much loss and disappointment of hope. If you ask me what kind of hope would best describe the hopes that we've experienced in 2020 to 2022 at least, I would call it a dead hope. And by dead hope, here's what I mean. A a expectation that we have, that we are longing for, that gets terminated upon a physical reality. Something you you wish is going to happen and then reality hits it and takes it away. It dies, it's a dead hope. There is a pastor back in the United States who used to say, and rightly so, you know, the average human can live about four minutes or so without air, can go about maybe four days without water, can go maybe 40 days or more without food, but there's not one human being on this planet 
who can go more than a second without hope. It's what we all need. I want to speak to you this morning about a different kind of hope. One that is not rooted in physical circumstances, but a hope that transcends them. One that sustains us when all other hopes are lost. A hope that is not dead, but a hope that lives eternally in any one of us who put our hope not in a what, but in a who. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is someone who is not unfamiliar with the physical challenges that we, many of us have been experiencing. Jesus knows, knew what it was like to be homeless. Jesus knew what it was like to be single. Jesus knew what it was like to be abandoned. He knew what it was like to constantly be moving and relocating. Jesus knew what it was like to experience sickness all around him, to experience the death of loved ones. Jesus knew what it was like to experience family tension and to be betrayed by even the closest of friends. Jesus knew and experienced racial and political injustice in his day. And he experienced persecution and even experienced the horrible taste of being put to death for who he is. And yet, Jesus knew what it was like to see all of those dead hopes conquered through his triumphant resurrection from the dead, to be born anew to a living hope. This morning, I want us to rest in a really short passage that was written for a deeply hopeless people in order to point them towards a living hope that transcends and sustains through all circumstances. If you have a Bible, I'd love to invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. If not, you've got it in the bulletin there in front of you, this short passage we'll look at. If anybody understood suffering outside of Jesus, it was certainly one of his followers, Peter. Peter knew suffering. A lot of his suffering early on was self-inflicted from his own immaturity and mistakes, but later on he would know what it was like to be persecuted, to be beaten, to be imprisoned, to be handed over even to his own death for following Jesus. But he also knew what it was like to be sustained by a living hope in Jesus Christ. Some 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Peter penned these words we're about to read, and he wrote them to some persecuted followers of Jesus in our what is now modern-day Turkey. He wrote these words for the church in Turkey who is experiencing hopelessness and persecution. And what he's going to do in this passage is he's going to remind them of three things. He's going to remind them of a past act that secured a future promise that sustained his present reality. If you're an outliner, there's your outline. Three things we're going to look at. Past act, future promise, and our present reality. Let's look at this past act, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1. Peter begins with, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter begins here with a confession of praise. The word blessed that's used there in the original Greek language is the word eugalatos, which means we get in English the term eulogy from that word. In the United States, whenever we do a funeral, oftentimes someone will come up on stage at this funeral and will share a eulogy. They'll share a blessing, a a praise. They'll talk about the, the glory of the one's life who has lived and now passed and celebrate their life. And and as we share this eulogy, this glory of one's life, Peter comes out here and says, of all the glory that belongs to anyone out there, no more glory belongs to that than Jesus Christ, to God alone, because God is the one who has caused us to be born again. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he has caused us to be reborn from all those dead hopes to a living hope that we've been given. And do you notice what it was that caused that rebirth to occur? It wasn't our good works. It wasn't our own merits. It wasn't the things that you and I have done in order to bring about this blessing to God. Look at what we've done. It was about something God did. And Peter uses one word to describe this past act that would change our lives. He uses the word mercy for his great mercy. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is when you withhold something from someone that they deserve and you hold it back. Now, grace is the other side of that coin used throughout Scripture when you give somebody something that they don't deserve. But mercy is when you withhold something that they do deserve. In this case, what every human being deserved was death. Was death. And the Scriptures tell us that is because of what happened at the beginning of time. When God created the heavens and the earth, and he, they were good, and he created the earth, and he created humanity, every tribe, tongue, and nation, every human being that has ever existed, God created them because he loved us. He wanted us to enjoy him where our greatest good is found. And in doing so, he created humanity for that purpose. However, humanity rebelled against God, turned away from God. The scriptures call that rebellion sin. When we walk away from God, when we quit worshiping the creator and we begin worshiping the creation, when we exchange the truth of God for a lie, as Romans chapter 1 tells us. And when that happened, God issued a judgment upon the earth, a curse upon the earth, and it fractured everything. This sin that we committed, the ensuing curse, left this planet broken. Every single human being on this earth, not just Christians, Christians and non-Christians can all agree on something and that our world is broken right now. What we can agree on is why. The scriptures tell us it's because of sin. 
And not only did it fracture the physical planet in which we lived, in which we now experience pandemics and broken bodies that fail and cancer, but it also broke our relationship with God, separated every human being from God, and what we deserved as the wages of our sin was death. And yet, Peter says, God in his mercy withheld something we deserved. Now, how does that happen? This is one of the greatest tensions in the Bible. It's one of the greatest tensions in our culture is how does justice and love coexist? There's this tension that's there about giving us the punishment we deserve, but yet wanting to rescue us out of love. How does this happen? One of the great examples of this Um, was a famous story in the United States years and years ago in the 1970s that was made famous because there was a woman who received a traffic violation and she wanted to go to the court and protest her innocence. Now, that's not a big deal. That happens a lot in America. What made this big news is because when she went to the courtroom, the judge was her father. Now, that creates a little bit of a tension, doesn't it? Uh, We've changed laws in the United States so that you don't have a child facing their father in courts anymore. But this happened. And all the media got a hold of this. They wanted to see what would happen because here is this judge who must punish violators. It's what they've been appointed to do. But here's this dad who loves his daughter. So she shows up to court, she presents her evidence, and she is undeniably guilty. She violated the law, the evidence showed that she did, and after the hearing, the judge slammed his gavel down and said, guilty, you must now pay the fine. And the fine was either 200 American dollars or one night in jail, and the girl began to weep because she knew she didn't have the amount to pay that fine. And this sad moment in the courtroom and the media saw it when the judge slammed his gavel, it was like, oh, because it wasn't just the judge, it was her dad. And he knew she couldn't pay the fine. He knew she was gonna go to jail. So what do you do? And the most beautiful thing happened in that moment. After the judge slammed the gavel, that judge stood up took off his judge garments, and dad walked down, went down on her level, and pulled out his wallet and paid the fine. In this moment, the justice of the judge and the love of the father were perfectly met in that courtroom. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I are sinners, who deserve the penalty of our sin, which is death. And God, as a just and holy God, must punish our sin, or else he would not be just. But as our heavenly Father, who loves us, sent his own Son, who took off his, his uh, rights, he, Philippians 2, he did not consider equality with God as something he had to hold on to, but he took on human flesh. He walked down to our level, fully God, fully man. And he came and he paid the penalty that our sin demanded, which was death. And he died on the cross, shed his blood so that you and I can be forgiven 
But the good news doesn't stop there. Because Jesus wasn't just a martyr. He was Savior. He was God. And three days later, he rose from that grave, proving himself victorious over sin, Satan, and death itself. And and we who are in him, the scriptures tell us that this past act of mercy of God withholding what we deserve and instead putting it upon his son, Jesus Christ, in our place, on our behalf, this God who did this some 2,000 years ago has now caused us who have believed upon Jesus Christ to be born again, not to a dead hope, but to a living hope. We have been raised in him. Anyone who has put their faith in Jesus and is in Christ, what's true of Jesus is true of us. If he raised, so shall we. Which means Jesus having conquered death. Romans 6, 9 says that we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him which means he is now inconquerable. Because he has conquered death, he can never die again. And we who are in him have the same promise for us. This past act gives us new life, a hope that is not a maybe, but a certainty. And this past act now secures for us a future promise that can never be taken away. And you see this in verse 4. This promise, this living hope to an inheritance, he's future tense now, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, that is kept in heaven for you. It's future tense. This salvation, notice how Peter defines this future treasure of this inheritance that we all receive when we're in Christ Three things he uses to describe this hope, this treasure that stands in stark contrast to the hopes that we have here in this world. He says it's imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's unfading. It is imperishable, meaning this treasure can never be taken away. You will never, ever lose this hope. Because Jesus rose from the grave. It cannot be taken away. Can that be said of anything else in your life? As much, for those that are married, as much as you love your spouse, can your spouse be taken away? We've seen it in a heartbeat. Can your job be taken away? We've seen it in a heartbeat. Can the wealth and money that you are working for and have accrued, can that be taken away in an instant? It can be taken away. Can your own life be taken away? Anything in this world that you put your hope in, it can perish. But when your hope is in Jesus Christ, it is imperishable. It can never die. Second, it's undefiled, meaning that it's totally untouched by sin or evil. Can that be said of anything in this world? No. Even the people that we trust the most can have hidden agendas, can have other ulterior motives towards us. Anything can be contaminated by evil. Nothing is ultimately preserved, but this hope is. It is undefiled and it's unfading. 
meaning that it will never be given to corruption. It will never diminish. It will never wear out. It will never turn its back on you. Can that be said of anything else that we would put our hopes in in this world? No. No, even your technology, it was created to be corrupted. It was created to fail. Anything that we put our hope in, but not Jesus Christ. Friends, there is not a single hope that this world can offer you that will ultimately not disappoint you in some way. There is much to enjoy in this world, many gracious gifts given by our Heavenly Father for us to enjoy in this earth, relationships and and some of the common goods and resources that we've been given, of course, benevolence of the Father. But when it comes to setting your hope upon those things, it's only a mirage. It will disappoint. Talk to many singles in our church back in the U.S. We've had a really difficult few years in isolation and talked about the despair and the loneliness that they've walked through and the hopes that they had that got dashed. But the ironic thing is being single and wishing you were married, that doesn't take away your loneliness. I've been married for almost 22 years. Loneliness doesn't go away on the other side of the altar. Loneliness is not something that's out there. It's something that's in here. But there is a promise that we have been given through the risen Christ that there is now an inheritance stored up for us. The greatest gift in that inheritance is God himself. The very presence of God that is, we will get to enjoy for all eternity. And yes, a place when we will have redeemed bodies that do not fail. We will have... We will have no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, and no more funerals. That day is secured. The hope of that inheritance is 100% imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And right now, the assurance of that future promise is being held under lock and key for you. So much so that it actually serves to sustain our present realities. And that's the last point here. You see this in verse 5. And following, Peter says, who by God's power, notice the tense changes, we go from future back to present here, who by God's power are being guarded right now through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And even though it's not in the guide, the next very next verse will tell us it is in this, it is in this that you rejoice right now, even though for a little while you may suffer. Did you catch that? This past act has secured a future promise. It means it's done, it's finished, and it changes the very hope that you have right now. To the one who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, what this text tells us is that God not only keeps that treasure for you, he is keeping you for that treasure. He is guarding you. He cannot lose you. Can can God lose you? Yes, if God is a liar. But God is not a liar. And when he says through Jesus Christ, he has secured you, if your faith is in him, that is true. You can take that to the bank. It is true. 
And so right here, no matter what trials you and I may walk through, there is an eternal joy and a living hope that sustains us and will carry us all the way through to the very end. And Peter will go on to say in this letter, just a few verses later, even though you and I don't see him right now, even though it doesn't feel like that hope is real real right now, even though you don't see him right now, you believe in him and you rejoice in him because you believe that God is not a liar. What he has promised, he will deliver. So you hold on in hope. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And we have had a few years of a lot of sick hearts because we've had a lot of hopes dashed. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Do you know I love that the Proverbs say that? A longing fulfilled. When that hope comes true, it's like a tree of life. Do you know what the last picture in your Bible is? When John is describing his vision of heaven and what paradise looks like, Do you know one of the things that he mentions is standing right there in the heavenly city? It's a tree of life. Tree of life that was there present at the beginning of the Bible is still there at the end. And in this scene, he tells us that the leaves of that tree that gives life everlasting, the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. There is a day coming when all your hurts will be healed, when all your hopes will be fulfilled. Those hopes are not in the lesser things of this world, but in the living hope of our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do we do with that? I think there's two responses. Number one, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then your response is verse three. It is worship. It is blessing the name of our God and Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again apart from any work of our own, but simply by the sheer mercy and grace that he has given us in Jesus. What shall we give to him and repay? Surrender of our lives and worship. And to remember this promise and hold on to that living hope that carries you through the brokenness of this life. Amen, church? If you have yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ, then the only second response is surrender. Surrender to put your trust in Jesus, to turn away from those dead hopes and receive the living hope that is given freely to you by your God and Father through your Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that's true of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my friends and my family here and Redeemer Dubai. Thank you for the living hope that you have given us in Jesus Christ. And I pray for every man and woman, child in this room. But Father, they would turn away from putting their hope in dead things. And that you, O oh God, would draw every one of us in to the remembrance of the living hope that you've given us in Jesus Christ. And that hope, that past act that has secured a future promise would sustain us all right now in this present broken reality that we would continue laboring for your kingdom, making disciples of all nations until that day when Jesus returns or calls us home. Pray this for your glory and our good in Jesus' name, amen.